Hello and welcome to the monthly Megabyte CEO Barometer. At Megabyte we track the financial performance, corporate activity and strategic positioning of over 6,000 of the UK's leading technology and digital businesses. Each month our research team analyses dozens of results and corporate transactions in the UK tech sector. As well as delivering extensive company financial and transaction data, our team leverages some 500 CEO relationships to bring our subscribers deep insight into the companies and technology peer groups we track. The aim of this show every month is to summarise the research and data on the Megabyte platform from the last month with a particular focus on the key themes around corporate activity and valuations. Of course, subscribers can get access to all of the underlying research and data on the Megabyte platform and if you think that the research that we provide at Megabyte may be of help to you and you're not yet a subscriber, we'd love to hear from you. The best thing to do is to go to uh, our website at megabyte.com and hit the request uh, trial button and you can now set up an automatic trial of our news analysis service, the Megabyte Newswire, um, and also request a demo of the wider platform. So if that's of use to you, or you think it might be of use to you, we'd love to hear from you. So here's a quick canter through the key highlights from the Megabyte CEO barometer this month. It was actually another pretty lacklustre month for UK tech sector share prices. Uh, they were broadly flat on the month and actually valuations dropped slightly. That was actually an outperformance of the UK market, which has been impacted by sentiment around the Silicon Valley Bank uh, failure and the mini, mini banking crisis, uh, but actually an underperformance against a pretty strong US market. Quite a lot of trading news on the capital markets. We saw some positives from uh, some of the resellers and elsewhere with, with robust trading news. But on the other hand, quite a few profit warnings during the month. The most important one and most significant one coming from NCC. And I'll talk about what that, uh, uh, what that all means for the sector as we go through the show. And I also will talk about what's been going on at Wandisco and what an appalling situation that is. Uh, Long-term viewers of the show, listeners to the show and, and readers of my research will know that we held strong views about Wandisco, but not even we thought it would go as bad as it's gone. And I'll give my candid views on that during the show. Talking about deal flow, um, I'd say overall uh, deal numbers and deal uh, volumes are broadly uh, sort of set in their post-COVID trend now. We recorded 103 deals in our database during March. That was down 40% year on year, uh, but um, broadly static month on month. Uh, we're seeing almost no deal flow again in the capital markets, complete tumbleweed there, no IPOs, no follow-on public offerings. Pretty robust again in private equity led by um, a, a robust showing in management buyouts, which I always think is a healthy sign. Uh, venture capital, again, no real big deals, although the, the, um, early April we did see a big fundraise from Quantexa, which is uh, really interesting, and I'll talk more about that next month. Um, uh, but, but a continued pretty strong uh, deal, deal flow in the early stage, particularly in pre-Series A uh, during March, and a total of 300 million raised uh, in venture capital uh, during March, uh, similar to the previous two months. M&A volumes were reasonably robust, 51 deals uh, reported on our database during the month. That was again down significantly year on year, um, but actually pretty robust compared to the last couple of months and actually quite strong in software where we're seeing actually human capital management software driving significant deal flow and also in ICT services the continuing uh, consolidation there is, is, uh, is also driving uh, heightened deal, deal activity, particularly driven by private equity. The outlook uh, remains mixed, I think. Uh, the Silicon Valley Bank situation, the mini banking crisis has only served to make it more uncertain and I'll talk through during the show where I think we're at in terms of that, uh, where we are in the cycle and where I think we're at over the next or likely to be over the next couple of quarters. So that's a quick canter through the highlights for this month. Let's get on with the show. So let's kick off the show as we do with a look at what's been going on in the capital markets, both in terms of share prices and valuations. And as I said previously, a very lacklustre month for share prices in the UK tech sector, um, broadly flat, 
both across the whole sector and in software, down a little bit in ICT services. And perhaps more significantly, we've seen quite a dip in valuations um, in March. Primarily, I think, as we've seen a new forecast year for a lot of the, de the uh, December year-end companies, which has meant that, uh, uh, that uh, EV EBITDA valuations have dropped even with flat share prices. So we've seen overall the valuation for the uh, um, Megabyte Universe Index uh, down from 14.4 times to 13.1 times, software down from 16.3 to 14.5, below 15 for the first time in a while, and actually ICT services below 10 at 9.7, down from 10.6 at the end of February. So um, quite a lacklustre, quite a, quite a negative uh, um, uh, situation there. Um, interestingly, though, actually, the sector did actually outperform the FTSE 250, which was down 5% in March. And there's just, you know, ongoing worries, understandably, about what's been going on with Silicon Valley Bank and the mini banking crisis, as I call it. And I think we're just starting to really see the, uh, the impact of that on, on the sector and the wider economy. And I think that's going to play out over the next couple of quarters as well. Um, overall, the share prices for the first quarter of 2023 have been broadly flat. Valuations have been down somewhat. And um, actually looking at it on a year-on-year -year basis through to the end of March, share prices down on average 13%, valuations down 28% on average. So uh, it's really been a very tough 12 months for the sector, and that seems to be continuing. Conversely, the US market, although generally has been quite difficult as well, was up, uh, the Nasdaq was up 7% in March, and the Bessemer Venture Partners Cloud Index was up 5%, and both of those uh, indices saw increase in valuations as well. So a, a more positive picture in the US, which is a little bit counterintuitive, I think, given what's been going on with SVB, etc. But nevertheless, those are the numbers. Back to the UK, looking at capital markets deals and, uh, you know, nothing to talk about. Absolute tumbleweed out there. No IPOs, no follow-on public offerings in the megabyte universe. Um, and it just feels absolutely terrible at the moment, frankly. Um, results out in the last few days from Peel Hunt and Numis just underline just how difficult it is uh, in the capital markets uh, generally. And, and neither of those uh, brokers are talking about any improvement this side of the autumn. And I think that seems pretty clear. I want to just touch a little bit on what's been going on at WAN Disco. Um, you know, re regular readers of our research in Megabyte and some of my blog posts over the years and, and listeners to the show will know that, you know, we've had, we've had a view on that company and we've talked about the, the sort of radical underperformance as we see it for, uh, for many years. Um, this is a business that's raised some 250 million from uh, investors since it IPO'd over a decade ago and has really done very little with it in terms of financial performance and yet has managed to maintain, you know, a very, very high valuation. The situation rather changed in 2022 uh, when it seemed like things were finally improving and the company announced lots of really substantial deals at an order intake of over $100 million during that year, during last calendar year. And this in the context of a business that uh, was generating revenues of not much more than 10 or 15 million every year over the last few years, relatively flat, up and down a bit, but basically flat. And we were starting to believe, and, and it did start, start seeing that finally, after raising all this money, that the company was starting to break out of its, of its uh, sort of negative pattern. There was one big issue, though, that we, we talked about in our research in Megabyte, and I've talked about on the show here, and I just last month talked about it, that there was never any cash behind these deals, and that always felt a little bit concerning. Uh, and we really were getting to the point where we needed to see some of that cash coming in to really believe that it was real. N not even I believed, and the team at Megabyte believed that it was as bad as it was, and they put a statement out in March saying that, 90% of the orders that, that seemingly came in during March were actually made up. So they didn't exist. Uh, there's the potential fraud uh, put down to, uh, to one sales, senior sales executive, although there is an investigation ongoing. And quite rightly, the CEO and CFO just this week have fallen on their sword. Uh, and you know, that is, that is uh, quite right in my opinion. 
And, um, you know, really a, a, a really shocking uh, state of affairs, frankly. The shares have been suspended. The company seemingly, it must be running out of cash. No idea quite what the outlook, uh, what the, what the, how this is all going to end up. Um, but it raised some money uh, in the summer last year, but must be getting through that very quickly. So it looks very dicey, I have to say, for, for the business going forward. Suspended, I have to say, at a market cap, I think, of over 800 million sterling. So this is not a business that anyone knew was in trouble. So... Why is it so shocking? Obviously, there is the shocking failures of corporate governance and just generally what a shit show it's been as a business um, uh, anyway. And this sort of um, last chapter is just even more shocking. But I think it's it's the broader consequences that I that I think are more significant. And, and there are really three that I've talked about previously, but have just been brought home so radically by what's been going on. First of all is the complete lack of any independent research on Wendisco. Even at a reasonable scale small cap business, no one's writing independent research on it other than us, frankly, and calling out the fact that its financial performance has been terrible. Secondly, um, you know, I think it's really uh, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the patent lack of investor sophistication in the London market that has enabled the company to raise money year in, year out and maintain a high valuation. I think, frankly, it's embarrassing for the London market that such a poorly performing company can have achieved such a high valuation and, and the press fawning over the CEO and just anyway, everyone sort of completely seemingly ignoring the fact that it's appalling, ignoring its, its terrible financial performance and looking only at its market cap to look at its success. And it's, that's a real problem, I think, uh, for the market generally. And thirdly, I've talked extensively in the past about the fact that brokers mark their own homework in the AIM market, the self-regulatory environment fundamentally doesn't work, in my opinion, in terms of uh, ensuring that these kind of things don't happen. And so I think whilst Wendisco, the situation with Wendisco is, is bad in itself, and it's terrible for the employees, let's not forget it, the company employs a lot of people, and a lot of, not all of them, are going to lose their jobs, and investors are going to lose some or all of their money. The bigger picture around what it means for what is a really struggling London market anyway is even more significant. So that's my view on that. As you know, I'm never short of a view on Wendisco, um, but um, even, even I have been shocked by uh, the events of the last few weeks. Turning then more broadly to the, the, the outlook on capital markets, and I think, um, as I touched on previously, we've seen a real mix of trading updates in the last few weeks. Big profit warning from NCC, accompanied by a big drop in its share price, tells you that the market isn't yet fully pricing in some of the uh, demand weakness we, we're seeing at the moment. Uh, but then we've had you know, really good trading updates from others, including uh, Computer Center uh, Bytes, uh, particularly on those kind of, um, those resellers, which is interesting because often they're, a, they're kind of a, uh, an indicator, a forward-looking indicator of um, a, a canary in the coal mine, if you like, of weaker, uh, weaker trading. So that's kind of interesting dynamic as well. So a really mixed picture, I think, at the moment. Um, I think that we will continue to see Growth rates, as I've said a few times, reverting to the mean, which I think is, you know, generally speaking, a mid-single digits rather than the sort of low double digits we saw immediately post-COVID. And I think that's going to continue to be a bit of a painful reset in areas of the market over the next few couple of quarters at least. And I do think, going back to capital markets, deal activity, we saw one very uh, small deal with Daisy taking a small quoted company off the market in March. I think NCC looks like a sitter for a public to private, which we talked about in our research. And I think we are going to see more public to privates um, if, this, uh, if this sort of route in the public capital markets continues. So that's what I think about the capital markets and a bit on Wendisco, uh, which is always, uh, always interesting. And uh, I'll look next to what's been going on in the world of private equity.
Overall, then, a very positive picture in, uh, in the private equity world. And we're not, we haven't yet seen, I don't think, any significant uh, impact on sentiment from what's been going on with Silicon Valley Bank and the mini, mini banking crisis. Uh, we registered six deals on our database, six PE deals on our database during March. That was the same number as March 2022. And when you put that in the context of really quite precipitous falls in deal volumes in other parts of the market, that I think is a robust performance. Again, uh, management buyouts really to the fore. Uh, there were uh, um, uh, three management buyouts, two secondary buyouts, and one carve out during the uh, during the month of March. And I think that sort of management buyout activity is really quite sort of symptomatic of really quite a positive uh, positive sense of of what's going on in PE because obviously those will those MBOs will feed the SBOs uh, of later years, um, and I think that's a, obviously a positive dynamic. Looking at some of the deals then, uh, the carve-out was Capita carving out its uh, resourcing business to InSpirit Capital, small deal there, 17 million, really in the BPO space, I guess. Truly in the fibre sector, it was a 100 million deal, pretty chunky deal there, kind of a couple of infrastructure funds taking that. Um, and I think possibly the most interesting deal from my perspective is Datatonic. This is a Perwin investment at what we think was about a 60 million enterprise value in the data consultancy world. I've talked a lot in the last few months, really over the last year or so, about the, the sort of surging IT, domestic IT consulting market here in the UK and in particular the growth dynamics within data consultancy which plays very well into all of the trends we're seeing around AI which of course have gone bananas in the last few months with, uh, with the, uh, the launch of ChatGPT etc. And we're just seeing seemingly uh, almost every week now on the desk at Megabyte there's a new IT consulting data services business that we didn't realise had reached such a significant scale doing a deal and we're actually rejigging our processes to make sure we spot these businesses earlier by the way. But um, uh, you know, Datatonic's a great example of that. Uh, now well over 100 employees and growing very rapidly and also announced uh, an acquisition in North America at the same time as the deal with Perwin. So another interesting data point there and I'm sure we're going to see a lot more deal flow both private equity and M&A uh, in that part of the market um, over the next 12 months. I'm turning to software then and it's really an HCM uh, picture, human capital management, a, a deal trend, a trend across all deal uh, classes um, over the last uh, few weeks and all three deals in uh, PE in software during March were in that part of the market. Horsefly Analytics, a 15 million, or what we think was a 15 million small deal secondary buyout for, for LDC replacing Maven as the investor. That's a labour market data analytics business. Job Logic, uh, that's a deal from Axiom Equity. Again, what we think was about 60 million in, in deal value. That's a talent management software business. And Cezanne HR, this is North Edge, uh, taking private, sorry, not taking private, management buyout. We think about a 30 million deal value there. Uh, mid-market HR and, and, and payroll software business and, and it would be remiss of me not to mention that uh, we were significantly involved in that Cezanne HR deal helping um, North Edge out with a chunk of the uh, commercial diligence. So HCM uh, really interesting uh, in, uh, in both particularly both private equity and, and M&A and I'll talk more about the M&A deals as we talk about that a bit later in the show. Where are we for, for the outlook on private equity deals? I don't think any fundamental change. I do think that the, the, the troubles with Silicon Valley Bank and the mini banking crisis will be a drag, I think, on, on, on certain areas of private equity. Some of the deals, uh, some of the platform deals, but also I think some of the M&A that we're seeing may be impacted as debt becomes more expensive yet again, as banks potentially reprice some of the, some of the debt there they're putting to work in the UK tech sector. I wouldn't overstate that, but I do think it's going to be a factor over the next, uh, over the next few quarters. So that, and that's not something I anticipated um, at the beginning of the year when I did my predictions. So possibly slightly more negative on the PE uh, outlook than I have been, but nothing too dramatic. So overall solid picture in private equity, and let's look next to what's been going on in venture and growth capital.
So venture capital deals, venture and growth capital deals, obviously continuing to show a significant year-on-year year year reduction, both in terms of the numbers of deals and the value of those deals. But actually, from a uh, from a month-to-month perspective, uh, pretty pretty stable. We registered 46 deals in March, raising a total of 300 million, and both of those numbers were were broadly stable uh, year on uh, sorry broadly stable month-to-month. Trying to pick out the, uh, the the kind of key deal deal uh, dynamics. No mega deals again uh, in in March, uh, which again has become a pretty common feature of the VC and growth capital world. Um, interestingly, though, um, that will show up in the April statistics. Uh, Quantexa in the uh, in the data space, uh, primarily in the banking sector, but also growing out of the banking sector. So broadly, a sort of data fintech company that's been doing extraordinarily well. Um, and obviously, it's continuing to do well because it's raised another 100 plus million at a 1.8 million dollar billion dollar valuation, uh, almost double the valuation of a year ago. So, proving really that um, even in these market conditions, great companies can still raise chunky amounts of money at uh, very sensible valuations, um, uh, even um, even with things changing the way they have over the last 12 months. But those kind of deals are few and far between these days. Looking at some of the subsectors and where the deal flow has been, interestingly, quite a lot going on in retail and leisure, uh, mainly pre small pre series pre series A deals. But there was a 12 million growth capital round from Edited, which is an AI powered market data provider to retailers. Uh, FinTech always a, a sort of a, a, a sort of key uh, key space for VC fundraising. A couple of interesting deals in the payment space there: 15 million Series A for Patrix and a 20 million Series B for Apex Global from MMC and others. Uh, healthcare also uh, often a, a, a significant part of the market and uh, was busy again with five deals during uh, during March, including a 17 million Series B from Hello Self and online psychology services, um, Octopus Ventures, Omas and others, and a 16 million Series C from Perspectum in the medical imaging diagnostic space from Oppenheimer. So quite a bit going on in healthcare. Um, information management. This is a sort of quite a broad category, but but plays to a degree into the into the AI and certainly into that sort of data space. Similarly, in the, the overall dynamics of the different types of companies, obviously, from what I was talking about uh, earlier in the show in terms of the IT consulting data services part of the market. Seven deals, so a significant number of deals in the information management space in March. Again, quite quite small deals, mainly pre-series A deals, um, but still makes me feel like we're going to see a kind of a wave of Series A, Series B deals because we've seen a lot of pre-Series A deals in information management over the last 12 or 18 months and they don't really seem to have been significantly impacted by the macro trends because the the underlying uh, sort of um, secular growth trends in, in the data space and, and, and in AI are so strong. So that's kind of an interesting data point there. And kind of slightly allied to that, I guess, in a way, is cybersecurity and infrastructure management software Fairly chunky Series B rounds from Kado Security and also Selden. So um, that whole information infrastructure space still really, really vibrant. In terms of the outlook, um, as with other parts of the market, I don't see any particular significant change. As I said, the context of deal underlines this idea that you can still raise chunky money, but it's few and far between. Elsewhere, it feels like we're getting back to business as usual in the new norm, and the new norm feels a bit more like the old norm, i.e. pre-COVID, uh, and I expect that to continue. Um, and I will talk more about context next month because I think that's a super interesting, interesting situation. So that's a quick canter through what's been going on in venture and growth capital. I will wrap up the show as we always do with a look at what's been happening in, in M&A. And I talked a bit about HCM and that's particularly interesting. And also just a wrap up of what I think about the outlook.
As I mentioned at the top of the show, M&A volumes during February, uh, sorry, during March were pretty robust. Uh, 51 deals added to the database in the month. Uh, that was down significantly year on year, as you've got used to me saying now, but actually up on uh, February, which is a, a relatively weak month. Um, looking first to what's been going on, some notable deals in ICT services. I think the overall picture in ICT services, where there was a total of 19 deals, which is pretty much exactly what there was in February, um, is just ongoing consolidation. And uh, there wasn't any particularly large deals to talk about in that regard. I, I would note, however, that uh, Babel, uh, which has set itself a target of acquiring 20, uh, at least 20 companies this year uh, is getting off to a pretty good start and announced four deals in March alone. So they are at the moment, I think, taking the prize for the most uh, ICT services deals. But there's a few others that will uh, that will be getting uh, that we right up there with them, I think, as we go through the year. And, you know, really just a more deal flow around that underlying um, that underlying consolidation, which is driving IT and telecoms uh, convergence, also a lot of in, uh, uh, service convergence, bringing in IT consulting, and also um, practice areas such as cyber cyber security. So all of these all of these kind of dynamics driving a huge amount of M and A, largely private equity driven um, in the ICT services sector. In the software sector, a stronger month for M&A deals. It was a slow start to the year for software M&A, but it's picking up quite quite quickly now. 32 deals in the month um, uh, for the month, which is pretty pretty solid. Uh, again, quite a broad uh, broad spread of, of M&A across uh, all of our sub peer groups. But I wanted to focus, as I said, on on HCM, where as with the uh, the PE world, there's been a lot of focus on that in. Um, uh, in the M&A sector. Iris has increased its presence in the US market with what we think was about a £25 million um, acquisition from uh, in uh, Apex HCM. In the employee benefit space, Reward Gateway has acquired Fond for £25 million, or what we think was £25 million estimate. Zealous has acquired Natural HR for a deal, in deal value we think was £16 million. Alchemist has acquired Citrus HR, which the deal value we think is £10 million. And Access Group is slugging it out in Australia, um, trying to acquire IntelliHR um, and fighting it out with human force. At the time of recording, it looked like it was losing that deal, but it is back and forth, so who knows where that will end up. But they seem very, very keen to acquire that business. So really super interesting. There's a lot going on on, on the HCM, HCM software, and I guess that just that just plays into this as a as a secular the secular growth trend around. Um, really post-COVID around greater attention to all aspects of, of HR through from the, the sort of the underlying um, the underlying sort of core HR systems through some of the more sophisticated areas around talent management, particularly bringing in AI into some of those more sophisticated add-on areas. So lots of dynamics driving uh, growth trends and deal trends in HCM. So just wrapping up uh, for this month then, and um, I think, to, you know, talking about M&A still, I think that um, overall general confidence is good. I refer you back to the comments I made um, earlier in the show when talking about private equity and debt availability. A lot of the M&A programs are, and a substantial amount of the M&A that we're seeing in the sector is driven by private equity money. And a lot of that within that is driven by debt facilities within private equity backed businesses. So if debt does become more scarce and more expensive, then I think that will have an impact on M&A. But I wouldn't overstate that right now. More broadly, where do I think we're at? Overall, I do think the, the mini banking crisis, I think we've only really begun to see uh, what the impact of that is going to be over the next few quarters. And I think it will very broadly act as a drag. I think it'll act a drag on sentiment generally around trading, uh, reinforcing my view about um, the reversion to the mean, to mean growth. And that reversion to mean growth, just to reiterate, will mean really quite painful reset in some places. And to be fair, in other places, it will not be as much of a reset. So, you know, um, that, that I think is a, a, a dynamic we're going to continue to see play out. And I think the mini banking crisis is going to make that probably a little bit worse than I thought it was previously. And 
and I think that probably reflects in deal dynamics as well. We had settled and I think are settled into a fairly stable pattern across really all of the deal, uh, the deal uh, dynamics, uh, the deal areas that I talk about on the show. Um, and I just think the, 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 the more concern and more uh, nervousness around the banking sector can only have a negative impact on deal dynamics. I don't expect it, as I've said a few times, to be that huge at the moment, but we will have to, it's kind of a live situation, isn't it? Um, and you know, I'm a bit concerned about, for example, things like what impact the commercial issues in the commercial property market are gonna have on the banking sector. So I don't think we're through uh, this issue of the impact of sharply rising interest rates on the banking sector. I think there's more bad news to come there and that will impact sentiment and more di directly probably on the availability of debt for our company universe over the next a few quarters. So we're keeping a close eye on that. So bit of a mixed picture this month, uh, some positives, some negatives. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you very much for listening and I look forward to uh, talking to you again next month. Until then, take care and uh, goodbye.